0: Buts. Bitches. Hello, world. Hi, everybody. Welcome to another exciting episode of I'm Horrified. Episode 80. Episode 80. 80, flirty and thriving. Yep. The, the age at which I hope to die. Yeah. <laughs>
1: You've said that to me before. I'm going to call it right now. I think 80 is when I'm going to go out. I remember you said that to me once and it it was alarming. Yeah. (laughs) I was like, really? Because I feel pretty confident about it. You were really confident about it. You were like, no, I definitely want to kick it at 80. (laughs) Around 80, yeah. I I get 90. I get people being like, no one kind of has fun (laughs) past 90.
0: I'm going to raise it and I'm going to say I'm not going to have fun past 80. I'm (laughs) determined I'm going to be a
1: miserable
0: old... Yeah. 60
1: even, I'm gonna be at least unhappy, My dad
0: used to say that he wanted to go out at, like, 75, and now, like, the closer he gets to 75, (laughs) the more he's like, you
1: know what, I'm gonna be fine. Yeah, your tune changes (laughs) when you start staring down the barrel, don't you? (laughs) Oh boy.
0: But yes, it's the 80th episode today on I'm Horrified, and we're gonna talk about two very exciting things. A little less spooky than last week, perhaps, but but just a little less. Still fun. Yeah. We never talk about... Unspooky things on this podcast.
1: It's always a little, little shudder, a little, whew. little tingle running up and down your spine. Absolutely. That's how we keep it fresh. Amen. That's how we. That's how we keep you uh sluts interested, right? Yep, absolutely. And you're just desperate for it. You're you? desperate for it. Oh, my mom is listening to this. <laughs> um. Anyways, Sam, what are you bringing us this week?
0: Uh, I'm going to talk about something a little uh, out of left field. I'm going to talk about the lovers of Alexander the Great. Thank God. Yeah. That
1: is, I think, the perfect thing for our 80th. Because I'm assuming it's 80 lovers, maybe. Oh, I wish. Give no, take. it's
0: take. Like no, it's like a top five. Okay,
1: that's good. <laughs> but, like, how many lovers in total do you think he had? I don't...
0: I'm going to get into this, but he was a romantic man, that Alex, so I don't think he fucked around. I think when he fucked, it was important to him. He fucked, he fucked deep. <laughs> Amen. But not the way you'd think.
1: <laughs> but, maybe the way you'd think. But also... Mmm. This is going to be a, a steamy episode.
0: Yeah, especially because what are you talking about,
1: Allie? Oh, I'm talking about the most romantic topic, the sexiest topic, for Loco. Disgusting. We know how much I love the early 2000s. A nightmare. So, <laughs> yeah, nothing less sexual than alcohol poisoning <laughs> is something I wish more men in this country knew. <laughs> yeah, me too, me too. Um, But speaking of that.
0: Speaking of sexy men. Speaking of, I hope that the sex he had was consensual, was it? It was actually. That's an exciting thing about Alexander the Great. That's great. I mean, I love a man who, who's not a rapist. <laughs> I've
1: been known. Yeah, I <laughs> The bar is so low. We're like, this historical hunk didn't rape anybody? Oh my god, I'm am absolutely thrilled. <laughs> an absolute <Yeah>. icon. <laughs> <laughs> what a bicon. Yes. Um, I'm Uh, Yeah, I love that. And now I can enjoy whatever debauchery
0: you're about to tell me. Yeah, absolutely. So give me it. So I think we've all heard of Alexander the Great. He's P famous. Uh, He was the king of the ancient Greek kingdom of Macedon or Macedonia. Um, I mostly read Macedon, but I felt like I had learned it Macedonia. I learned it Macedonia. Who knows? Um, but he spent most of his ruling years on this unprecedented military campaign through Asia and Northeast Africa, and by the age of 30, he had created one of the largest empires of the ancient world, stretching from Greece to northwestern India. That's ginormous. He was undefeated in battle and is widely considered one of history's most successful military commanders.
1: Love it. But does he fuck? Fuck.
0: More important question. (laughs) It is a question that most modern historians are not willing to answer, the cowards. (laughs) (laughs) And it has fallen to me, a simple woman, to pick up the torch of this age-old question. And spoiler alert, the answer seems to be yes. Thank God. Uh, But I don't know if you want to fuck him, so we'll find out. Either way, you're doing the work that
1: that no man <laughs> no is confident Plutarch or skilled enough to do. didn't tell us
0: this. No, nope. you know, like no one, no one looked deeply enough into does he fuck. So yes, today I'm going to talk about Alexander's most notable lovers, their lives, and their usually untimely deaths, uh, and we'll have a spirited discussion about whether or not we would fuck Alexander the Great.
1: <laughs> Thank or, God,
0: <laughs> or if he's just Alexander the Okay. Ooh. So. I'm hooked. Let's flesh out who Alexander is first and what made him so fuckable. Yeah, let's flesh it out, all right. (laughs) I did think that as I typed the word flesh, I was like, yeah, flesh. (laughs) Let's make it hot. If we're going to do it.
1: We got to make it sexy. We got to make it sexy. So
0: Alexander was born in Pella, the capital of the kingdom of Macedon, um, on the sixth day of the ancient Greek month of Hecatombion, which probably corresponds, I thought if I said it confidently, maybe that would work. It probably corresponds to the 20th of July, 356 BC. That means he is a Cancer. That's very important. The reliable website astroveveal.com has this to say about how Cancers are in bed. (laughs) Um, What you need to know is that because of their inherent desire to look after those they love, Cancerians will stop at nothing to satisfy your every sexual need. Their powerful sense of intuition endows them, great use of endow, with an (laughs) instinctive understanding of what will make you happy, while their sensitivity gives them the patience to take as long as it takes.
1: That's basically just this website being like, they will go down on you. (laughs) Yeah, for as long as you ask. Point blank. (laughs) Point for Alexander. That's very sexy. Yeah, I always um, heard that you shouldn't have sex with cancers because they'll, they'll cry on you.
0: Is that the case? All right. Well, as a Cancer, I will say uh, (laughs) 70-30
1: yes. (laughs) You're like, as a Cancer, I will say a confidence sometimes. (laughs)
0: Yes. I would say say they're more likely. This is too personal. Edit this out. So anyways, Alexander is the heir to the throne of Macedon because his father is King Philip of Macedon. And when Alexander is 10 years old, a trader brings Philip a horse and the horse refuses to be mounted and Philip orders it away. Alexander, however, detecting the horse's fear of its own shadow, asks to tame the horse, which he eventually manages. And Plutarch states that Philip, overjoyed at this display of courage and ambition, kissed his son tearfully, declaring, My boy, you must find a kingdom big enough for your ambitions. Macedon is too small for you. And bought the horse for him. And Alexander named the horse Bucephalus, meaning ox head, And Bucephalus carried Alexander as far as India, and when the animal died of old age at 30, Alexander named a city after him, Bucephala.
1: That is a pretty hot story.
0: Loves animals. Another point for Alex. He loves animals.
1: He's sexy. He's sensitive. But he's
0: in tune with what they want and what they need.
1: This, No. Yeah. Yes. I love
0: this. This is hot. So then Alex is 13 and Philip begins to search for a tutor for him. And in the end, Philip chooses Aristotle from NBC's The Good Place. (laughs) Um, And in return for teaching Alexander, Philip agrees to rebuild Aristotle's hometown of Stagiria, which Philip had raised, and to repopulate it by buying and freeing the ex-citizens who were slaves. Wow. Uh, So it's a weird trade, but okay. (laughs) It's like, I destroyed your city, but... I could bring
1: it back. But does he get dental insurance? I think he probably does.
0: That's the kicker. Seems like he's a great, uh, great boss to work for King Philip. Um, notably in his youth, Alexander also meets the daughter of a Persian general named Barcine And spoiler alert, she does become one of his lovers later. So just keep her in mind. Love that. Sexy name. So at 20, Alexander the Great becomes king after his father is assassinated. Um, and they had kind of been on the outs because his father had, like, remarried, and it was this whole thing. But anyway, he's the king now. Um, and this is when Alex does all his famous stuff. He kills all his potential rivals to the throne, he starts conquering, he's got Asia, he's got Egypt, he's taken over India, and all the while, he has a very special someone at his side. Mm-hmm. The first lover we'll be discussing today, Hephaestion. <gasps> Whom? Hephaestion was a page at the Macedonian court who grew up alongside Alexander and was considered his dearest and closest friend. Of course, we think their relationship went quite a bit beyond just friendship, and that Hephaestion was Alex's first and greatest love. Oh yeah, um, their tootle to their tootle toodles. <laughs> um, their tutor Aristotle described the, their friendship as one soul abiding in two bodies. <laughs> He's like, I think two of my students are fucking. I'm yeah. like 80% sure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and they were widely compared, and they compared themselves to Achilles and Patroclus, which is a very famous, like, Greek myth story of the hero Achilles and his boyfriend Patroclus, Yeah. Who were fucking. And, like, any time that they could compare themselves to Achilles and Patroclus, they'd be like, we're just like them. And everyone would be like, they meant what good friends they were. And it was like... <laughs> And they were roommates. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh my god, they were roommates. Yeah. Um, yes. Their love for each other was no secret. Um, as is borne out in their own wor- words, um, Hephaestion at one point was replying to a letter from Alexander's mother and uh, said to her, you know, Alexander means more to me than anything. Oh. So they're very in love. That's so sweet. Yeah, and theirs is also a working partnership. So um, he... Hephaestion is one of like the major generals in Alexander's army and when Alexander's older generals pass away and he's fearing traitors in his ranks it is consistently Hephaestion that he relies on and whenever he has to split his army it is always Hephaestion that he's like you lead this half of my army and I'll lead this half and then I'll see you later babe. (laughs) Um, Mac later. So Hephaestion played full part in Alexander's regular consultations with senior officers, but he is also the one whom Alexander would talk to in private, sharing his thoughts, hopes, and plans. You know, pillow talk. Oh, <laughs> I really think they're in love. That's
1: so cute, and they were, like, childhood friends. Yeah. That's so sweet.
0: Um, speaking of pillow talk... Lucian, writing in his book On Slips of the Tongue, sexy, uh, (laughs) describes an occasion where Hephaestion's conversation one morning implied that he had been in Alexander's tent all night. And Plutarch described the intimacy between them when he tells of how Hephaestion was in the habit of reading Alexander's letters to him. That's pretty hot. And of a time when he showed the contents of a letter were to be kept secret by touching his ring to Hephaestion's lips. So if he, like, didn't want him to say anything, he wouldn't be like, oh, Hephaestion, don't read that one out loud. He would be like, shh, and the, like a tender touch of the lip. That's hot. <laughs> that's really, that's hot. <laughs> that's intimate. Um, This is my favorite one of all these. Uh, Diogenes of Sinope, in a letter written to Alexander, accused Alexander of being, quote, ruled by Hephaestion's thighs. <gasps> <laughs> Oh I love, th- I love that that was written to Alexander Like you have to get your head Out of Hephaestion's ass Literally white, <laughs> <laughs> literally To which I assume Alex sent back a letter That was like no I won't honestly I, I, won't. I will not um, Another sign of their undying lo- Loyalty to each other Is that Hephaestion agreed to marry Drypetus who was the daughter of Darius And the sister to Alexander's Second wife Stateria
1: there was a lot of information there. But.
0: What What's important is the, the sister of Alex's wife. Okay. So for Alexander to marry this daughter of Darius made good political sense because it allies himself with the Persian ruling class. But for Hephaestion to marry her sister shows the high esteem in which Alexander held him, bringing him into the royal family itself. They became brothers-in-law, um... And reportedly, Alexander wanted to be uncle to Hephaestion's children. Uh, Thus, it is possible to imagine Alexander and Hephaestion hoping their respective offspring might unite their lines and that ultimately the crown of Macedon and Persia might be worn by someone who is a descendant of their boat of them both. They wanted to raise kids together. Oh, my
1: God. That's so fucking cute. Literally, they
0: were like, well, if like, I fuck this woman and you fuck her sister and we have kids and then they fuck. It's basically like our kids. <laughs> and I was like, I can't. It's so oh, fucked up, but like, I love it. Yeah, I'm in. Like, I, I see where you were going. But like I'll... a weird, crazy <laughs> fan fiction, but I'm into it. I'm into it. Absolutely. Uh, unfortunately, it is not canon as it was no. not meant to be. In the spring of 324 BC, Hephaestion left Susa, where he had been married, accompanying Alexander and the rest of the army as they traveled towards, I'm going to try my best, Ekbentana. Ekbentana. Sure. Um, they arrive in the autumn, and there, during games and festivals, Hephaestion falls ill with a fe- fever. No. So, it's like a little confusing what happened, but piercing the, piecing the accounts together, it seems that Hephaestion's fever ran its course for seven days After which, his doctor was like, oh, he's getting better. And he was like, yeah, I feel better. Um, And Alexander himself was like, yeah, you look better. So he felt it was safe to leave him. Um, And Hephaestion was like, yeah, I feel way better. Like, you can, thank you for being by my bedside night and day for this last seven days. But you can go. And Alex was like, all right, see you soon. Um, Hephaestion feels hungry for the first time in seven days. So he eats, but his meal seems to have caused a relapse that led to his rapid death. (gasps) And the explanation that fits the most is that maybe he had typhoid and that solid food, like, perforated one of his ulcers and then he bled to death. (gasps) Yikes. But unfortunately, Alexander could not make it back to be at Hephaestion's side before he passed. No. So they were not together when Hephaestion died. No. Which is so sad. I'm sorry. Because you know Alex wanted to be there. Oh
1: my god, I hate it.
0: Now, I know there are some doubters out there who might be like, Al and Hef were definitely just best friends. They were not lovers. Please. Uh, the way that Alexander mourned just might change your mind about that. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, dealt death, like in history, is dealt with way more than the events of his life because of what a profound effect it had upon Alexander. Um, Plutarch said that Alexander's grief was uncontrollable and adds that he ordered many signs of mourning, n- notably that he had the manes and ta- tails of all the horses cut off. What? Um, there was the demolition of the battlements of the neighboring cities and the banning of flutes and any other kind of music. Oh. So he was like, I don't want to see pretty horses. <laughs> I don't want to see any cities. And if I see a fucking flute in here, (laughs) I'm gonna freak out.
1: I swear (laughs) to God, because he's so so sad. I can't stop screaming. Um,
0: Another account by uh, Arian uh, says that quote: He flung himself on the body of his friend and lay there nearly all day long in tears and refused to be parted from him until he was dragged away by force of his companions. Oh my god. Um, And then another account says he had the doctor who was treating Hephaestion uh, executed for lack of care. That's not fair. (laughs) Which is not... But I see see where he's coming from. No, but I totally get it. And it's it's still... It's kind of romantic. Yep. (laughs) It is. is, (laughs) You gotta admit. (laughs) Um, Arian states that all his sources agree that for two whole days after Hephaestion's death, Alexander tasted no food and paid no attention in any way to his bodily needs, but lay on his bed, now crying lamentably, now in the silence of grief. So he literally just, like, doesn't leave bed for two whole days. And then he sends messengers to the oracle at Siwa, asking um, if the gods would permit Hephaestion to be worshipped as a god. Uh, And the oracle comes back and says, uh, he can't be worshipped as a god, but he could be worshipped as a divine hero. And Alex is like, yes. And he made sure that from At that minimum. <laughs> yes. He made sure from that day forward his friend was honored with hero's rights. He saw to it that shrines were erected in Hephaestion's memory, and there was evidence that like there was a now a cult of Hephaestion. Um, and they found like plaques to this day in different museums that say like to the hero Hephaestion, which is Alex's Hephaestion. Um, Hephaestion was giving a magnificent funeral which cost nearly 1.5 billion in today's currency. Like at minimum. Like they're like, it's hard to translate Greek money to today's money, but it was at least $1.5 dollars. I love like, that. Oh. So, um, just to come to the end of His on, to me this is all very sexy. Oh my god. If yeah. I predecease my boyfriend and he doesn't cut off all his hair and call the Pope about canonizing me, <laughs> I will be upset. And scream <laughs> and cry and lay in bed. Yeah and like kill someone kill somebody <laughs> kill whoever was responsible for my yeah. death um it is truly heartbreaking that these two were not together at um, the end of Festian's oh. life and Alex only dies like a few months later so he really? really yeah well he wants to to be with him probably yeah oh it's very sad oh my god but so on this one i would say sounds like a good lover uh, I
1: don't want to hear about anyone else. Like there they're were, my OTP. There were
0: others. That's fine. It was a different time. Let's talk about. I like about, to think that they had a very healthy, open. Yeah, relationship. maybe they were polyamorous. Yeah, exactly. That makes sense. But now let's talk about somebody else, Barcine. It's a hot name. It is. So she, I mentioned her earlier. She also met Alex kind of in yes, his youth. Yeah. Barcine was the daughter of a Persian father who was like a general, and a Greek mother. And she first became the wife of her uncle, Mentor, and then after his death, she married her second uncle, Memnon. Two uncles. Two uncles. Two uncles too many, I'd say. I would agree. Then, in the year uh, 334 BC, Alexander invades Asia, and she and her children are sent by Memnon to the king, Darius III, as hostages. Um, And in, like, the ensuing year, a ton of shit goes down and she falls into the hands of Alexander. And that's where things get interesting. Mm. After Memnon's death in 333 BC, Barsine feels she is free to look for another relationship. And when she saw Alexander the Great, she was like, Him. (laughs) Ouch. Ow. Um, And on Alex's side, as Plutarch wrote... At any rate, Alexander, so it seems, thought it more worthy thought it more worthy of a king to subdue his own passions than to conquer his enemies, which is unusual. That's very unusual. Um, and so he never came near these women, nor did he associate with any other before his marriage, with the exception only of Barsine. Ooh. So she is the only exception. He really did not make a thing like he never he was not into like raping and pillaging. And he really never. I love that in a leader, right? <laughs> don't we? We should look for more who who do that. We would love that. <laughs> um, but like he really never did. Like, and people would offer. Like they'd be like, "Do you want to fuck these slaves?" And he would be like, Honestly, "I really don't. No. Yeah, I'm really not really interested. Don't want to. And I'm a little grossed out that you offered." To which people back then would be like, "What? That's crazy." <laughs> but okay, why would that gross you out? Um, but Barcia is like so hot. So single, so ready to mingle that Alex is like, I will bend my (laughs) rule because you are ready and willing. You seem into it. And so am I. Um, So they do mingle. Uh, Alexander takes Barcine as his lover and they are together um, pretty consistently through Alexander's death in 323 BC. So like 10-ish years. Um, They have a son named Heracles and it is the only son um, that of Alexander's that was born before he died. But he is illegitimate. They're not married. Um, so, of course, it's this son that will spell trouble for Barcine. Uh-oh. Uh, after Alex's death, everybody's trying to consolidate power. And Barcine's like, well, hey, shouldn't my son get something? Because he's the son of Alexander the Great. And no one likes that idea. <laughs> except Barcine. So unfortunately, both Barcine and her son are murdered in 309
1: BC. Oh yikes! Yeah, they well, can't just be
0: like, no, no, we can't have anything. They were like, we don't even want you around. So, um, so this is kind of about to be a theme. Uh, but it does seem like if you died before Alex, he gave you a 1.5 billion dollar funeral. If he, if you die after Alex, he gave no thought to like what your life would be like. Who should inherit all his stuff? Like, he just was not What also sounds like the
1: only one he was really interested in was Hephaestion.
0: I do think that's true. I think with these other people, he was like, I like you and I'm happy to fuck. Yeah. but No one's happier to fuck than me. <laughs> but, let's be real. Let's You're be real. not Hephaestion. And no one could be, and I'm not expecting that of you. I'm sure he was very honest with them. I think so. Alright. Next, uh, someone else. Someone important. Rock Roxanne! Uh, So Roxanne. Her name is Roxanne. Roxanne is the first wife of Alexander. Her name is also written as Roxanna, but I prefer Roxanne so I can go like, Roxanne. Yeah, that's preferable. Um, But you see it both ways and then you also see it like crazy Greek ways that I'm like, how would I pronounce it? (laughs) So Roxanne or Roxanna. Um, Roxanne is the princess of a nation captured by Alex. He has a type. (laughs) Fair enough. And historian Robert Lane Fox wrote of her, Quote, Roxana was said by contemporaries to be the most beautiful lady in all Asia. Marriage to a local noble's family made sound political sense, but contemporaries implied that Alexander, aged 28, also lost his heart. Oh. So she's just like hot. She's beautiful. Gorgeous. Uh, In the movie Alexander, she is played by Rosario Dawson. So I like to imagine a young Rosario Dawson in this role. Or an old Rosario Dawson. She's so gorgeous. So beautiful. So beautiful. Um, but they seem to get along very well. They, you know, are good partners. They're both ready to settle down. Again, no rape, which is thrilling. Love that. Um, but things are about to change as we get to number four and five, whose names are Stateria and Parasatis. And I'm talking about them together for reasons that will become clear. Those both sound like infections. (laughs) i know parasitis <laughs> particularly but but the both no
1: stateria really it sounds does. like staph infection uh-huh. parasite. and parasite. i don't even know what
0: they're like so i'm not judging them i'm just that's probably what roxanne called them behind like their bags yeah. they're like staph and parasite over there over there ah. sluts bitches i don't so. Either.
1: they're just down to fuck too yeah
0: everyone okay. is just everyone's down yeah um again like it seems like Alex was one of those rare men who were like, I'm going to take over your country, but I'm not necessarily going to rape anyone. And women would just be like, take me. Yeah. <laughs> they're like, honestly, that's the best thing I've heard in my whole life yeah. from a man. Like, so. I will have sex with you now because you're not forcing me to have sex with you. No. So I'm interested. Um. So anyways, Alex gets his first wife, Roxanne, and now that he has one, he just wants more. Uh, And there is a tradition in, like, the Persian cultures that he was kind of overtaking of having multiple wives. So it wasn't, like, totally out of left field. Um, It's not, like, as popular amongst the Greeks. But no one's like, whoa, this is crazy. Everyone's like, yeah, you do what you want. That's fine. Um, So he meets Stateria. Stateria. I'm going to say Stateria. Um, Statiara. (laughs) Um, And she is the daughter of the king of Persia. And then there is um, Parasatis, who is the daughter of a different Persian king and also her cousin. So after Alexander conquers the lands of her fathers, um, Stateria and her mother and sister, and I think also her cousin Parisatis, um, end up traveling with Alexander kind of in his caravan for a long time, for like 10 years they're traveling with him. And the king keeps kind of trying to ransom them back. And, he, and Alexander just keeps being like, no. um and the king's like well if you give them back like you can marry stateria and alex is like no but also she's in my possession i could just marry her if i I really wanted to marry her i just could uh and i do wonder if that like plants an idea in alex's head because not long after that he kind of like sends her to macedon to learn greek so it seems like maybe he was thinking like maybe she would be a good wife i don't know yeah um, and again, like she seems pretty game, like he's been relatively good to her and her family as they've kind of been traveling alongside this caravan. She's like,
1: Dad, don't fuck this up for me <laughs>
0: yeah. Um, but so she's like, all right, i'll I'll do something about this. And so, um, he finally marries her in this huge event called the Susa weddings um, and this was like meant to bring together the Persian and Greek empires. So at this big wedding, 90 Persian noblewomen were married to Macedonian soldiers who were loyal to Alexander. Whoa. Um, and this includes Alexander marrying both Stateria and parasatus and it includes Hephaestion marrying Stateria's uh, sister, whose name starts with a D, and it was Drypetus. The names are just... That's hard. It is. But it's... So it's... It's a it's a ninety time wedding, and he marries two ladies. It's kind of fun. That's kind of fun, right? And also his boyfriend's as long as everyone's game, that's fun. And also his boyfriend's there marrying his new sister in law. I bet some of them weren't game with it. I bet some of them weren't. That's too bad. That's bad. But specifically, these women seemed like they were like, all right,
1: Alexander sounds hot as shit. So and nice as far as the time goes. So
0: I guess so. So why wouldn't you? Um, and yeah, so they, the three of them, so Alex and these two women get married that night. Did they have a threesome? I don't know. Yeah. Um, uh, but maybe. I'm going to say yeah. Maybe. Maybe Hephaestion was there. Maybe it was a foursome. Ooh. Who can know?
1: Well, Hephaestion would have to invite his bride. So also. maybe it was a fivesome. That's what I would prefer. Just for <laughs> inclusivity. We you can't know? know. A lot of them, the ladies are all related, so that makes that a little hard. It's the olden
0: times. <laughs> I don't know what to say. I think it's fine. There were no rules back then. So here's where it's going to get rough. Alexander dies just a year after this wedding, and he leaves behind no clear heir and three wives. Problem. One of whom, Roxanne, is pregnant, and another of which, Strateria, thinks she might be pregnant. So she's like, I don't know, but like, I really might be. And this obviously creates a massive power vacuum, and all Alex's generals are trying to grab a piece. Um, Roxanne ends up having a son, who she names Alexander, um, and so she's like, he is the heir, obviously. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Duh. That makes sense. But Stateria is also pregnant, and if she has a son, that will be a huge challenger for the throne, Uh, especially because, like, Stateria's father was one of the kings of Persia, so maybe the Persians will be like, we like this one more than we like that one. Fair enough. We can't know. So Roxanne does what any loving mother would do, and she has Stateria and Parasadis murdered. Well, what else is she supposed to do? Yeah, so it's hard it's hard because I like to imagine like a real like feminism world where these three women like stuck together and they were like, If the three of us work together, maybe also with Barcine, like we can just do-
1: I'm imagining Barsine's head is already way
0: chopped off. <laughs> we can <laughs> Which just don't do. all work together and hold down this great empire. Uh but that is so, so not what happens. Yeah. Um and poor Parisatis because it seems like she was very much on the outskirts of this marriage.
1: She she wasn't even pregnant. She
0: ends up dying. What's she going to do? I know. I think she was just with Stateria and they were like, two for the price of one. Let's just kill him. Let's just murder him. Lean out feminism. (laughs) And unfortunately for Roxanne, what's good for the goose is good for the gander. So um, she and her son are initially protected by Alexander's mother, Olympias. um, But Olympias is assassinated, um, which allows- no one can stay alive. No, after Alex dies, everything goes to shit. Um, basically there's this general Cassander who is imprisoning Roxanne and baby Alex. Aww. And he is able to make a play for the throne, but he's like, well, I can't become king if this like very legitimate heir is alive. So we just pull like a princess in the tower and we kill them both. No, so, do they? Yeah. So Roxanne oh. and her son Alex are both murdered by this guy. Come on. Who I think it's the same guy to murder Barcine and her son. So I mean, fuck this guy. He seems like He sucks. But so this is what I'm coming to at the end of Alexander's lovers, and he had a couple more in there. Uh, He had a couple more in there, but these are the ones that were notable. And what I would say is, I would want to fuck Alexander the Great. I start there. Yes, affirmative. I think he would be an intuitive lover, but I don't think he would want it like too much. I think he would be like, "Oh well, I'm busy on Friday, so maybe we can hang out next week." And I'd be like, "Not clingy like like your typical Cancer." Yeah. Hey. Yeah. (laughs) but yeah (laughs) yes Um, yes indeed Um, I think he would be good at being like I'm so into you I am busy next week and I would be like whoa like it just makes me want it more yeah you're like what are you doing on Friday
1: oh (laughs) my god you're so cute Um, but But he like remembers your birthday he really
0: does like he genuinely he's not fucking around he's just genuinely busy which I would respect yeah he's fucking around but he's not fucking around yeah do you know what I mean yeah you know what I mean. And he's, and I think he would be all about like, um, like, uh, what's, what's it called? Um, ethical polyamory. Absolutely. Where he'd be like, this is my boyfriend, Hephaestion, and my three wives, but we would also be interested in you maybe being part of this relationship. And you'd be like, wow, you've given me a lot to think about, but I really will think about it. Yeah, honestly. He's just about clarity. Yeah. You know? Just being honest and open that he lives between Hephaestion's thighs. Um, <laughs> I love that. <laughs> I love that. But I think that he, in the end, his pride got him and he did not make good plans for the lovers he was leaving behind. And so they all turned on each other and murdered each other. And that's not a positive thing in a polyamorous relationship. Yeah, that's true. That's no good. That's no good. He should have been like, hey, here's what I think. Your baby should inherit and then everyone else could have just chilled out. He was too busy mourning Festion. Really which I was. get. He really was. And is
1: romantic, but you can't then scatter
0: all your sons to the literal wind. If you've got potentially two wives pregnant, you, yeah. you, you must focus on that. Yeah. But yeah, so don't know if I really would want to be a lover of Alexander, but I'd give it a shot. I think you'd probably end up with your
1: body in a ditch somewhere. Yeah. But... Seems worth it. What a great few years it would have yeah. been. A couple wild nights in there, probably. Uh, I love
0: that. So, yeah, that's The Lovers of Alexander the Great. What a weird segment I chose. <laughs> I love this. <laughs>
1: I... I had no idea about Alexander and Hephaestion. That's my new favorite Absolutely. thing that's ever happened.
0: Yeah, well, there's a, there's like, it's very interesting because some historians are like, they were friends, you guys. Like, not everything has to be sexual. <laughs> <Wow>. um, <laughs> Why are you guys trying to make everything gay? But and then, we're like, it's just gay. It's I don't know what gay. else to I say. I don't know what to tell you. And then also, other historians are like, Male bisexuality was very chill in, in yeah, Greece. it was. So, what's the like, it's so not it's even like, unusual, it wasn't that weird, yeah. It wasn't considered like weird or bad. And they say, some people say, like, especially in Macedon, like homosexuality felt very normal. I love so. that, so they were like, I don't think it would have been that weird that they were god, dating. I wonder
1: why that stopped. I know, Christianity, probably some Christianity, yeah. Yeah, I would be very curious. Because when Jesus... Because I just don't... I'm, I know that there is a... Re- I know people have yeah. researched it. I just don't know. I don't really yeah. know why there was this liberation surrounding sexuality and, you know, alternative sexual orientation... Not alternative, but all sexual orientations. Yeah. And then there just super wasn't. Like, yeah. when did that start? And then it's
0: also complicated because I think, like, male homosexuality was pretty chill, but I don't think female homosexuality was chill. Mm. I think they were like, but women, you are just you know, pleasure robots. I think they were like, everyone is slave to the ween. Yes. So we get it. If you'd like a ween. Yes. (laughs) If you'd prefer a ween, we understand. How could we not understand? (laughs) Look at it. Look at it. (laughs) That does feel very ancient Greece. Just look at it. My God. Look at it. Um, Um, But yeah, I mean, maybe, maybe it's like, like, Jesus and Judas were dating, and then that was a really bad breakup. Yeah. So then, like, Jesus was just, like... We're not men. doing this again. Jesus was like, men are dogs. Yeah. Do not date them. <laughs> and then it got super mistranslated to, like, men should date men, and Jesus is yeah. up in heaven, like, no, all men are dogs. <laughs>
1: what I was really saying was that <laughs> Judas shouldn't have played me like that. But, I mean, if you want to make heteronormativity a thing... Honestly, fine. I don't even care. I'm just so hurt. Yeah. Which is, you know, irresponsible. Yeah. We're getting
0: real off topic now. But yeah, um... I think it's time to, to focus back in on what's important. Thank you for this segue, Allie. Can you please speak to us yeah. about Four Loko? Now
1: we need to talk about caffeinated alcohol. I'm Very exciting. begging you. Awesome. Tell um, me about the Four my, Locos. I'm in such a different mental headspace now than I was <laughs> when I was researching Four loco. How do we get into it? Uh, Think about the early 2000s. Think about it. Um, I mean, Sam, you know that I love the early 2000s. I've heard that about you. You know this. And I think the reason it keeps coming up on this show that we do is that I believe that in no other time in the history of the world was there such a fantastic smorgasbord of pop culture failure and (laughs) debauchery Um, people were just, like, really going for it post 9-11. Do you know what I mean?
0: (laughs) They were like, what do we have to lose?
1: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And you just have to respect that energy, right? And, like, we did it all in bootcut jeans and crisp, crisp flat ironed hair. Absolutely. And I just, I yearn for that time. Mm -hmm. So, you know, like, I yearn for the simplicity of 2008. Like, you wouldn't (laughs) believe. But speaking of 2008, let's talk about 2005. Woo! Uh, Because that is when 4Loco was invented, Or maybe spawned is a better word for it. Spawned from frat bro date rape hell is a better way to think of it. Um, It was it was founded. It was founded by three bros, and I do not mean brothers. I mean bro in the biblical sense. Like bruh. Yeah, like bruh. They were all in the Kappa Sigma fraternity at Ohio State. Wow, good start, bruh. And they were faced. With the problem that all of us are faced with, Sam. How do we stay awake long enough to drink ourselves into the hospital? <laughs> a problem I've had many times. Truly a tale as old as time. So they founded Fusion Products together, the three of them. And it is important to me that all of you know that fusion is spelled oh, with no. a I P-H. <laughs> I wasn't expecting that. Your face just contorted. I thought you were going to tell me there was a Z in there. Like fusion? Yeah, like fusion. They could have done that.
0: But no, pH.
1: PH is in like fat but in a cool way. Fusion. Um, yeah. Wow. They noticed that people would mix alcohol and caffeine in bars and decided to cut out the (laughs) middleman and spit in the face of God Himself. (laughs) (laughs) So what is four loco? In theory, it is a malt liquor-based beverage of between six to fourteen percent alcohol by volume. Murder me. (laughs) (laughs) It will. It will, literally. It's comprised of four main ingredients, which is where it gets its name. Four loco. Yep. Uh, Alcohol, caffeine, taurine, and guarana. Caffeine and taurine have similar effects in just keeping you awake. Mm -hmm. And guarana, to what I understand, is just a more natural stimulant. Um, I think... (laughs) So it's one thing to make you sleepy, but three to keep you awake. Yeah, well, the thing that makes you sleepy makes you, like, so sleepy. Yeah. So, I get it. But who can ignore the obvious fifth ingredient, which is going loco? <laughs> um, it was debuted as an energy beer, which is a, which is a phrase that just tickles me.
0: <laughs>
1: um, and it came in two flavors, cherry and berry.
0: Okay. <laughs> All right. Um, neither of those are typical beer flavors, I'd point out.
1: I would prefer them to be the name for each of my boobs. (laughs) Cherry and berry. Yeah. And when
0: you get, when they get together, it's four logo.
1: Yes. (laughs) Um, at first it also had wormwood in it, which I was surprised to learn isn't just a made up ingredient in a fantasy potions novel. (laughs) Wormwood is supposedly the ingredient in absinthe that contains psychedelic properties. Great. But not, like, really. I, th- I imagine it's something like licking a banana slug, where they say you, like, lick a sl- banana slug.
0: You go. If you, like, have a
1: psychedelic. But, like, not really. Yeah. You're just licking a slug. You'd have longer. to lick a
0: lot of slugs.
1: Yeah. Um, fun fact, I saw a banana slug when I was in San Francisco visiting the Redwoods, and I surprised myself by how excited I was about it. It was really <laughs> exciting. Um, anyways, they later dropped the wormwood, and we're like, we can't find enough of it. Yeah. And it's not doing anything. What do we need we wormwood for? We don't need this. for. Um, okay, so the beverage has been brought onto us by the fires of hell. By 2006, the stuff is raging in colleges in the Midwest. Obviously, of course, it was <laughs> made for that. It is made for colleges in the Midwest. It's where it belongs. <clears throat> so some people start writing about it, and are like, is this gonna kill a bunch of people, but it hasn't really reached any kind of national prominence yet. Its unofficial slogan was apparently horny, hyper, happy, <laughs> which incidentally is one of my yoga mantras. <laughs> um, so by like 2007, 2008, 2009, Four Loco had entered, what should we go, the national stage, yes. <laughs> as it were, of pop culture and started becoming like a pop culture talking point as the primo way to get fucked up. Um, and all of these word-of-mouth stories were going on about these, like, crazy college parties and, like, high schoolers started talking about it, trying to get their hands on it. It's this Uber drink that would just, like, level villages and get everyone shit-faced. Not unlike Alexander the Great, I guess. Amen. But he was honestly way more on the up-and-up than anyone involved with
0: Four Locos. Absolutely true.
1: But yeah, so it started being the butt of jokes in comedy sketches and late night TV, like they started talking about it on the news, all that kind of stuff. And people started hearing stories about what would happen when you drink it. There's a great article on Grub Street called The Oral History of Four Loco, which I recommend. <laughs> I got a lot of my information from it. And um, one of the guys they interviewed, uh, Brent Rose, who's a writer and producer, recounts the following. The second time I tried it was at somebody's house party. We started playing some drinking game with Four loco because they had a ton of cans there. That was the night I realized this stuff is pure evil. One of our friends just disappeared from the apartment and we couldn't find her for four or five hours. We found out that she woke up on the floor of some stranger's apartment because she apparently broke in and fell asleep on the floor. I was like, you know what? Fuck this stuff. Fuck this stuff forever. Which like I can't imagine being so shit faced that I like break a window <laughs> and then go
0: immediately and then sleep asleep. on that person's yeah, I mean, floor. Some drunk people are runners; like they just go when that's they're true. drunk. But breaking mm-hmm. in and falling immediately asleep is just a different
1: level. I have to say, huge mood for me though. Like I absolutely <laughs> think that if I were to drink for loco, I never did. Uh-huh. But that's. Sounds like a total alley brainer move. I
0: can't do that because you'd need a nap so bad that you'd be it. I will nap anywhere. I'll nap on the floor of a
1: jail if you arrest me. That's fine. (laughs) Just let me lay down. Um, So at the same time as Forloco is rising in popular culture, we start seeing news coverage on alcohol poisonings and even deaths that are allegedly related to the beverage. And in the same Grub Street article that I just mentioned, um, Maxine Builder writes, In November 2010, New York legislators, including Senator Chuck Schumer and Assemblyman Felix Ortiz, increased pressure to ban sales of Four Loco after a series of high-profile cases in which underage or young people were injured, including the death of an 18-year-old girl in Long Island and an incident during which 16 Ramapo College students were hospitalized oh in a nearby New Jersey hospital no, no, were hospitalized in nearby New Jersey. And then she went on to say on November 14th, so that's just like right away, yeah. the New York State Liquor Authority announced that they had come to a voluntary agreement with the manufacturers of Four Loco to stop the shipment of the malt beverage into New York State. The distributors agreed to stop selling their existing stock after December 10th. Three days later, the U.S. Food and Drug Administration issued an official warning about alcoholic energy drinks. Four Loko, along with a few other brands that were also caffeinating alcohol, was singled out as containing unsafe food additive due to the high caffeine content. Yeah. So that happened in New York. Mm -hmm. But after New York State banned it, the FDA gave them a warning that Mm -hmm. said, you need to kind of prove to us that this isn't going to kill anyone. Yeah. And to prove that, most of the companies did change the formulas in their caffeinated alcohol beverages. So either like... Really lower the caffeine, really lower the alcohol, wherever it was. And then also several states followed suit and just banned it. Yeah. So it, ha- it happened in different – it happened different ways in different mm-hmm. places, but it started to phase out. Um. But about a month after this all happened, Fort Loco was back on the shelves in a new iteration. They had replaced the caffeine with Red 40, which is just a food dye. I don't yeah. know if that counts as replacing it. I read that and I was they like – got rid of it. So that means just like they added food coloring instead of caffeinating alcohol? Um, which I don't know how that works, but fine. However, this was not before they began sending the original formula to parts of China, <laughs> as there was a budding internet challenge where young kids would drink Four loco on a live stream until they fell asleep. Yikes. Which, like, it has caffeine in it. It takes a while. So it takes a while. And that really brings us back to our internet challenges episode. Yeah. Doesn't it? Wow. I think we're gonna have to do an international version of that episode because I was like, oh yeah, I guess like we're familiar with the internet challenges that happened here. And a lot of them became international. Yeah. Like internet challenges. But there could be others. I wanna learn about them. I wanna know all of them. Um I wanna stop all of them. So that's about it. You can still get Four loco in some places, but it's not in its original form and its original potency. Yeah, There is supposedly a black market for the original formula, but I imagine the demand for that died off, I don't know, in 2011. Yeah, Jesus Christ. <laughs> Sometime around when we were graduating high school. Um, and I am truly disturbed by the fact, um, not that this existed, but that the fact that it dominated so much of pop culture in the early 2000s, but I am... Also truly not surprised. Yeah. So that is for loco. Thank
0: you for your time. What a for loco story. Have you been sitting on that one? <laughs> no, I just thought of it. Just off the top of your head. I just rattled that one off. Um, thank you so much for you sharing that. Well what a nightmare done. beverage. Yeah, I never had it.
1: I knew people who had tried it. Yeah. Like I never they had, had their brother had... get it from them in New Hampshire.
0: Yeah. Where all terrible things come from. Where all cheap alcohol comes from. Yeah. <laughs> um, I never had the original formula. I've tried the the new one, which you did? just tasted like any malt drink. I imagine it just tastes
1: like a gross like malt beverage mixed with an energy drink. Yeah.
0: I prefer like a Bud Light Lime I would also prefer that. So if you're going to buy new Four Loko, just buy one of those margarita things. Just
1: buy a glass of wine and <laughs> love yourself, yeah. for God's sake. Maybe some water, you monster. Drink water. Maybe hydrate yourself. I'm going to go out on the limb and say that no one listening to this drank enough
0: water today. And that includes me and I you. I sure as hell didn't. Oh, no.
1: Do you know how much water you're supposed to drink?
0: So much. Too. W- Honestly, too much, I would say. But I know not technically not. Don't tell them that. <laughs> That, that it, much is how much you're supposed to have. Eight glasses is a crazy amount of water. I know it's what you're supposed to have for your body to function, but there's <laughs> functioning crazy, crazy and then there's me. living.
1: You know what I mean? That's fair enough. And if you drink coffee, it dehydrates you. You get more water. Oh my God. Yeah. We can't expect them to do that. We sh- No, we do expect, <laughs> we need you to drink that much water. Okay. Don't tell them that. Right. Well, do I, have to do I don't want anymore? dehydrated children listening to this podcast. Who's the
0: youngest person
1: that listens to this podcast? Now I'm worried. We got an, a message once from like a 14 year old, which was extremely sweet. Should I have talked less about fucking in this episode? No. I'm fine. I'm more fine. <laughs> I am more fine with children having consensual sexual contact than I am with them being dehydrated. I stand by that. Right in, parents. I love that take. <laughs> I love a bold take to I end a podcast app um we have had people write in like oh I listen to this with my baby yeah and I'm like well that's fine they're just my cousin does she's like every Monday like, yeah. Mason and
0: I listen and I'm like Mason's heard auntie Sammy swear of a lot a lot
1: and you're gonna have to stop when they <laughs> yeah. start repeating things yep which will be a dark day because our listener count will go down <laughs> we, we count on those infants we really baby do. being like it's
0: a nightmare like, oh god <laughs> But yeah, so thank you for sharing. Um, stay hydrated, you guys. Drink drink water. Drink um, water. You know,
1: wash your face. But and not in like that annoying like wash your Facebook way. Yeah. Just like it's nice to put cold water on your face. At the yeah, end it
0: can of the day. be. And um before entering uh sexual contact with someone, think like, would Alexander the Great do this?
1: Are you going into your sexual encounters with the sensitivity and open mindedness? Of known cancer, Alexander the Great. Of Bicon, Alexander the Great. And if you're not, reevaluate. Reevaluate everything you're doing. Yeah. Until next week, when we hope you have done that, we hope you stay horrified.
0: Stay horrified.